This morning in the book of Colossians, we come to a transitional part of the letter that Paul wrote to the saints in this city of Colossae. Paul's main burden that we have been looking at in the first two chapters of this book has been to show this church and remind this church who they are in Christ, who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for us. We've seen that we are to remain in Christ. We're to trust solely in what he's done for us. We're to be rooted in Christ, built up in him, established in the faith. And Paul has been warning in this book against false teachers seeking to come into the church and lead its members away and astray. Teaching that believers needed more more than just naked faith in Jesus Christ. In the last part of chapter 2, we've seen the temptation to trust in man-made religion. Man-made religion to make us right before God. And Paul labored to show that we have all we need in Christ alone for salvation. And the work that he has done for us, that's all that we need And in chapter 2, verse 8 through 23 that we've looked at these last few weeks, Paul pointed to the believers, pointed the believers to Jesus and how they are not to live. That they don't live and follow after these things in order to come to God to be made right. They don't live seeking to follow these things so that God will accept them. And in chapter 3, verse number 1, Paul is moving of kind of a don't live like this into a kind of positive, here is who you are and here is how you are to live. So this contrast that we see, here is what you're to be about. You're not to be about this, this is what you are to be about. Since this is who you are in Christ, here is how you are to live. This dynamic is seen all throughout Scripture and especially in Paul's letters. We've alluded to it. We'll continue to allude to it. It's one of my favorite things we see is the indicative and the imperative in Scripture. The indicative saying, this is true of you. This is a factual statement. This is who you are in Christ. Now, the imperative, therefore, live like this. It's seen in general in how some books are actually put together. For example, Colossians, we see that. The first two chapters mainly teaching us truths about here is Christ, here is what he's done, here is who he is. And now in chapter 3, there's this transition to a more direct, more positive, here is how you are to live. Here is how you are to live in light of what Christ has done for you. And chapter 3 kind of turns that corner for us. So that if you just glance down in verse number five that we'll come to next week, we see Paul say there, put to death what is earthly in you. And he lists a bunch of things that we're to put to death. And then verse 12 and following, put on then. And we're going to have things that we're to put on. And then he's going to speak to wives. He's going to speak to husbands. He's going to speak to children, uh, to workers, to all of these sorts of things, masters. Then he's going to speak about prayer. And he's getting to this uh, uh, more positive here is how you are to live based upon what Christ has done. We're entering into that section of the letter. As Christians, the reason we are to live in obedience to God 
is not to make us a child of God. We're called to live in obedience to Him because we already are a child of God. We're called to live like who we are. That is so important for us to see. We need to hit that over and over again. We need to listen to who we are in Christ and based upon what Christ has done for us, who we are in Jesus, the life he's given us, therefore, we're to live like this. We're called to live like who we are. That is a huge, important thing for us to realize. And so these verses kind of mark that transition from the more here is who you are side of the book to the more here is how you are to live side of the book. So this is kind of a hinge that swings us into this new section. And in these four verses we're looking at today, we see two main commands, easy enough in verse 1 and verse number 2, two main commands that is given to us. Likewise, each of these commands is supported by some truth statements. So we're going to be uh, looking at that. Two points this morning that we're going to see from these verses. And the first comes in verse number one. The first command that we see right there before us. Seek the things that are above verse number one. Listen to kind of the if then of this verse. We'll read it one more time. Verse number one. If then you have been raised with Christ. Seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. This verse begins with one of those amazing truth statements about what is true for all of those who are in Christ, who are trusting in Jesus. We don't need to blow past it. I want to look at it again for just a moment. It states that we have been raised with Christ. Did you catch that? If then you have been raised with Christ. That phrase, with Christ, continues to speak to the theme of our union with Christ that's been alluded to. That what is true of Christ is also true of us. That what has happened to Christ has also happened to us. That we participate in the things with Christ. What does it mean that we think for us to be raised with Christ? What does that mean? Well, that's a very deep well that we can't touch the bottom of this morning, but we can see some truths that it teaches us. I want to point out just a few things. What does it mean for us to be raised with Christ? Well, first is that His victory is our victory. His victory is our victory. When Christ rose from the dead on the third day, in a true sense, we also rose with him. His victory over sin and death is our victory over sin and death. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Well, one day we will die physically. One day that will happen. We will be placed in the ground. But as we know from God's word, that is not the end. Just like Christ was raised from the grave, so also we will be raised from the grave. This is the victory of the believer. It's the victory of believer over death. 
Victory over the sting of death. Victory over the wages of sin. And it's ours with Christ. As Christ was raised, so also we will be raised. We have that victory through Christ. Secondly, his life gives us life. As we consider this concept of being raised with Christ, his life gives us life. The same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that has made us alive. And the same Holy Spirit, this is amazing to think about for just a moment, the same Holy Spirit that was in Christ that raised Christ from the grave is the same Holy Spirit that lives in every believer right now. That same spirit that raised Christ from the grave, how powerful, is the same Holy Spirit that lives in the believer right now. Look at back at chapter 2, verse 13 for just a minute, because this has already been stated. Look at chapter 2, excuse me, chapter 2, verse 13. Chapter 2, verse 13. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, look at the true statement. God made alive together with him that's Christ having forgiven us all our trespasses we have been made alive with Christ that is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ that Jesus Christ has come to die for us in our place as our substitute The wages of sin is death. And Christ has come to pay the penalty for our sins on the cross. He was buried. He was raised on the third day. Brothers and sisters, this is our hope. This is our hope as Redeeming Grace Baptist Church is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of what he's done 2,000 years ago on the cross for us, that our sins have been forgiven that we are now standing as sons and daughters in the family of God. We have been made alive with Christ. It's not based upon what we have done or the things that we have followed, the things that we have changed in our lives. It's based upon Christ making that change within us. I once was lost, but now am found. T'was blind, but now I see. We have gone from death into life because of Jesus, because of what he's done for us. Listen to how Romans puts it beautifully. Romans chapter 8, verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. If you are a Christian, if you are trusting in Christ, then this has happened to you. This is who you are. You have been raised with Christ. You have a new life. What this means is that now we have the ability to live differently. We have the ability because of the life-giving Spirit of God that has made us alive to live in obedience to God's word, to change, to be different than we once were because of what Christ has done for us. Some of the things that we're 
speaking about in here and that Paul is saying. These are, these are just spiritual truths that if, if we don't stop and think about it, hence the commands of these verses, if we don't stop and think about it, it's just going to go right over our heads and we're not going to live based upon who we are in Christ. And so a lot of the application for us today is going to be aimed at our heads and the way we think and just know as we work through this, all of these things for the way we change how we think, it has an effect in our everyday walk with Christ. It's going to change us as we think on these things, as we realize who we are and what Christ has done for us. And as he says here, if then you've been raised with Christ, then he says right after that, then, and the then is kind of implied there grammatically, then seek the things that are above. If you've been raised to new life, if we've been made alive with Christ, then why would we submit to human precepts and teachings to make us right with God? If he's given us life, if he's raised us, why would we fall back under human teachings to make us right with God? Let's get a run and jump. Go back to chapter 2 and look at verse 20. Follow along with me. Listen to what Paul states here. If with Christ... You died to the elemental spirits of the world, and that's true, you have with Christ. Why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to the regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch, referring to things that all perish as they are used according to, the human, according to human precepts and teachings. Why do you live like that? Well, why are you following after things if you've died with Christ to them? Verse 23, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body. Oh, they look good for you to do these types of things. But they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. They're not going to change that heart. They're not going to change who you are inside. They have no value. If then you've been raised with Christ, then seek the things that are above where he, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Paul is saying here, look, we have been given new life. We've been made new in Christ. We have the life of the Spirit living inside of us. We've been raised with Christ. So let us live and seek with our lives after the things that are above. The things where Christ is. Seated, as it says here, at the right hand of God. No doubt this is an allusion to Psalm 110, verse uh, number 1, which says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Speaking that Christ is victorious, he's ruling, he's reigning at the right hand of the Father. Therefore, we're to seek after him. Seek those things. Seek the things of God. This command here for us to sink is given to us in the present tense it has the idea that you're to continually be doing this to continually with your life seeking seeking after the things of God listen we have been raised we have been given new life and because of that we're to now seek not the things of this earth we're to seek with our life the things of God, the things that are true of us spiritually and eternally with who we are in Christ. Paul is calling us here to live like who we are. 
live like who we are in Christ. We now have life through Jesus Christ. We have victory in what he's done for us. It's promised for us. Therefore, we're to seek after him, to live like who we are. Because of who you are in Christ, we could say, and the new life you have in him, continually pursue the things of God. Pursue the things of God in your life. If you're here this morning trusting in Christ, that you've been forgiven of your sins, will you just, I mean, just listen here to what these verses are speaking and telling, telling us here. You have been raised with Christ. You've been raised with him. You've been given new life. The same life that raised Christ from the grave is the same life that lives in you. This is true of you, brother and sister in Christ. Therefore, let us with our lives seek after God. We're his. We're a part of him. Let us live seeking after these things. It's the first command Paul gives in verse number one. Second command falls in verse two to four, and it's set your mind on things that are above. Set your mind on things that are above. Now, this is very similar, isn't it, to the first commandment. The first commandment is maybe a little bit more general of just saying pursue these things with your life. It's more of a direction of your life to pursue after God the things of God. And this command really does zero in on our minds, what we think about, what we ponder, what we give our minds to. I would submit to you that this is something that we don't naturally do. It takes hard work for us to set our minds on things that are above. It takes mental discipline to do these sorts of things, it's much easier just to go about our day living with the things that are in front of us, that are tangible, that we see in our day-to-day -day reality. But this verse is calling on us to set our minds on something beyond that. Romans chapter 12, verse number two instructs us, do not be conformed to this world, you see that same thought there, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed from the world. How? By the renewal of your noggin, right? By the renewal of your mind. We're to have our minds renewed according to the word of God. We need to be conformed, transformed, and transform our mind according to God's word, to listen to the reality of what Scripture speaks to us and to believe and trust it and live in light of these facts. I like to think of this uh, command here in verse number two, to set your minds on things that are above, not on things of the earth, in verse number two, as sort of a God consciousness, a God consciousness of setting our minds on those things, of, of being awake to them. Consciousness is defined as the state of being awake. Hopefully that hits most of you this morning. The state of being awake and aware of one's surroundings. Okay, the state of being awake and being aware of one's surroundings. And many times during the day, we sort of walk around 
unconscious to the things of God. We're not thinking about them. We're we're not setting our minds on them. We're not remembering who we are in Christ. We're not actively thinking about the truths of who we are in Christ and what He's done for us. But listen, as we set our minds on these sorts of things, it makes such a massive difference in how we live. In context here in Colossians, Paul gives this command right after he's talked about the perils of man-made religion, as Adam preached on last week here at the end of chapter 2. Instead of us placing all of our focus on human teachings here of not eating this or drinking that or observing this day or observing this festival period of not touching this, of touching that, etc. Instead of doing all of that, right on the heels of that, the command is set your mind on who you are in Christ. Think about what Jesus has done for you. Just sit back and take a bath in that reality and let that soak into your life. Set your mind on these things. It means, again, pursue that with your brain. I I mean, the the best way I can think to apply this verse is to just literally think about who you are in Christ and what he's done for you. To think about the truths that we see in God's word. Now, you might be thinking for a minute, well, what are you saying? You mean, you mean we just abandon our duties that we have throughout the week and we kind of just take ourselves to a secluded place and we kind of just hum on the things of God and, and just read and we kind of just separate ourselves out from this life, maybe live a sort of monastic sort of thing? Last few days, the elders have had a, a good time being together and meeting for periods of time and being together on this Friday and Saturday, a lot of prayer Uh, A lot of time together, good times together. I mean, is it just saying that we we just uh, seclude out and say, you know, give Marsha a call. Sorry, honey, life is great out here. I'm learning about the Lord. I'm being, we're praying. It's just so good. I might not be back, okay? I'm I'm in the spirit out here. I mean, look at the water and all of these things. This is great. Let me just pull out of life and, and set my mind on the things of God. Right? No, that's not what... God's word calls us to what does it look like in the day-to-day life look again I think it means we need to be conscious of who we are in Christ in the day-to-day life that we live in the office in the home whatever your place is of work for you think about throughout the day I've been raised with Christ I've been seated with him my sins are forgiven I am a child of God. This world, messed up as it is, is going to come to an end. I'm going to die, right? It's going to come to an end for all of us in just a number of years, right? We're We're going to die. I'm going to be with Christ. Might be a bunch of junk I'm dealing with here, but hey, let me step back and look at eternity. It's going to be okay. It's going to be okay because I am with Christ, and that's the sort of thing that we're being called to here, to just realize and be conscious as you go throughout your week of who you are in Christ. God's given us many duties to do, various things throughout the week that God has 
called you to do, your work, your family, your friendships, your relationships, you're to do and be about all of those things for the glory of God, being conscious to who you are and whose you are. And that will have an effect on how you live. Your desire to please God will grow. The more you consider these things of who you are in Christ, the more you will love God and the more you will seek after Him. Christians are to live differently than we were before coming to Christ. Set your mind on what He's done. Be awake of these things. Don't be unconscious to them. Do you remember the sinful woman in Luke chapter 7? that came to Jesus. Jesus went into a Pharisee's house uh, and he went in to eat with them and this sinful woman was also there. And the Pharisees thought they knew more than Jesus knew and they're like, if Jesus knew who this was that was there with him, he wouldn't be allowing her to do these things. This lady uh, had come to Jesus. She was weeping while she was there. She was crying in the presence of Jesus so much that literally her tears wet the feet of Jesus and she took her hair and she was wiping Jesus' feet with her hair. The text says, if we went back and read the whole thing, she was kissing Jesus' feet, cleaning his feet, kissing his feet, anointing him. And the Pharisees, seeing this, began to grumble. <laughs> if he knew who this was, he would not allow this to happen. This lady loved Christ, and he told a little parable in that setting. He says, why is it this, uh, that this lady, why is it that she loved Jesus so much? Pharisees weren't showing the same love to Christ. They weren't realizing their sinful position for Christ, and so their love was a very little amount of love. But look, this lady realized who she was and who Jesus was, and Jesus said, He who is forgiven little loves little. This lady knew and Jesus went on to pronounce her sins forgiven, and then the Pharisees just went berserk. Right? But this lady knew who Jesus was. She had a lot of sin, and she realized her sin. And, buddy, she had been forgiven a lot, and what did she do? She loved a lot because she realized who she was and who Jesus is. She was very, very conscious of that fact. These Pharisees, not so conscious. They're just kind of unconscious. They're just walking around thinking that they are good. They don't have that much sin. So their love is not going to be so great. Do you realize who you are in Christ and what he's done for you? You see why that's so powerful just to think about that? Think about what Christ has done Consider what he did on the cross for us. Realize, realizing that fact has a profound, profound impact on our love and obedience for Christ. Call is for us to do just that. Set our minds on Christ. 
on what he has done and let it change us. As the old song says, turn your eyes upon Jesus, look full in his wonderful face, and the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Paul supports this second command to set our minds on the things that are above uh, with some truth statements. We could get technical, some nice indicative statements that he states about who we are. First thing he says, verse number three, look at it. He supports it. Set your minds on the things that are above. Four, do that because you're dead. You're dead. You have died. Follow his flow of thought here. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth, like the stuff that I just mentioned at the end of chapter two, all that stuff. Don't set your minds on that because you died. You died to the things of this world. You've died to it. You've died to it. You've died to the worldly way of life, the works-based system of coming to God, that works-based religion. You are dead to those things now. That's no longer who you are. It's no longer whose you are or what you are about. You've died to that. You see how that's just the truth and reality. You've died to it. We need to awaken ourselves, right, and be reminded of that reality. Not only that, it gets better. <laughs> you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. <laughs> again, another amazing truth statement about the believer. Once again, we come back to the facet of this union with Christ. Our life is hidden, what does it say? With Christ. Our life is hidden with Christ in God. What does it mean for that, to be hidden with Christ? I mean, sounds kind of mystical. What does that mean? What does it matter? Well, at least a few things. First, being hidden with Christ in God has to do with things that are concealed from the world. Where our life is hidden with Christ in God. That means it's, it's somehow concealed so the world doesn't now see those who are in Christ for what they truly are. Forgiven sons and daughters of God who will inherit the universe, the world doesn't see that and realize that. This reality is seen with eyes of faith, seen with eyes and trust in the promises that God is speaking. So concealed from the world, secondly, our lives being hidden with Christ and God has to do with our security, our security. Christ has us. Like literally, he has us. We are with him. This world cannot take us away from that. It can't take us away from who we are in Christ. The false teachers in this book were seeking to do that, to persuade these believers to follow these extra rules and regulations to make them right with God. And Paul is saying here, no, Christ has us. We are dead to those things, the things of the world. We are alive. We are now with Christ. Man cannot touch you. No one can take you away from Christ. So in our lives, when the waves of fear and doubt begin to rise, we trust on these promises, who we are in Christ, that our life is hidden with Christ in God. Our fellowship, our union is with Christ. 
We sing about this in Before the Throne of God Above, right? You know that little line, my life is hidden with Christ on high, right? We sing about this. We're hid with Him. We are with Him. For those of you that are weary, this is just comfort for your soul. That your life in Christ, you're hidden with Christ in God. It's strength, it's, it's steadfastness for the pilgrim, a pilgrim in this life to keep on keeping on because our life is hidden with Christ in God. We are His and He is ours. Keeps on going in verse number four of saying these, and I know we're just scratching surface of these things this morning. Maybe you're thankful we're just scratching and not digging too deep, but anyway, lest we be here longer. Verse number four, it says, when Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Again, we have another with him, with Christ statement about our union with him. Again, in short here, Paul is saying the revealing of Christ will be the revealing of his people. You see, we see reminded in this verse of the return of Christ to this earth, the bodily return of Jesus Christ. When Christ, who is your life, he's your life. You've been dead, now you're made alive with Christ. When Christ, who is your life, appears, just states that, doesn't it? Christ will appear. That's a good thing for us to set our minds on. Jesus will pot bodily come down from the sky and we will visibly see him. I mean, that, that's a good thing to set your mind on. Jesus will return. That's the word of God. Jesus will return to this earth. He will appear. His feet will once again step on this earth. He is returning. And listen, as this verse says, we also will appear with Jesus. Then you also will appear with him in glory. These are beautiful things of the believer. Just two th quick things to note about this in verse number four. First we can say is vindication. Vindication for those who are trusting in Christ. Vindication. All those who are trusting in Christ will be proven to be the ones who are on the right side of history. It's the way it's going to play itself out. Christ will be seen for who he is and those following Christ will be seen for whose they are those that will inherit the earth. Second is glorification. When Christ returns, all of those who have ever trusted in him will be raised from the dead, given new perfect resurrection bodies, no longer fighting against sin. We will appear with him in glory. As we see him, we will become like him. What an amazing thing for us to consider. That when Christ returns, we will be made, we will be raised with him, given new life, we will appear with him in glory, glorious resurrection bodies. These things are true of us and we need to set our minds on them. I got convicted of this yesterday. Uh, in, in a car ride of, of riding, uh, one unnamed young little kid in our family as, as we're riding in the car, as I'm riding thinking, what a, Beautiful day and, and just kind of going on, coming back from something. There was a, Daddy, in the new heavens and in the new earth, what do you think, da, 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 and just going on. And I thought, this was last night, I was like, thank you for that, Lord. I said, that's a great, out of the mouths of babes and learning from little kids, 
right? Already just sitting there thinking in the car, pondering, what about in the new heavens and the new earth? Will it be like this? Look, that, when we think on such things like that, it gives us a different perspective about this life, about things that are in front of us, about what truly matters and what will happen in the future and whose we will be. Before concluding, um, I want to just look back over very quickly the progress of some of these truths mentioned. Look at verse number one. It says, you have been raised with Christ. That's past tense. You have been raised with Christ. Your life is, that's present tense, currently hidden with Christ. You have been raised with Christ, past tense. Your life is hidden with Christ, present tense and future tense. You will appear with him in glory. Beautiful progression for us to think about and to set our minds on. These are spiritual truths about us that might be hard for us to grasp because they're not necessarily tangible, physical in front of us. The world as it was just can kind of rock us to sleep to these things. We need to have our eyes open. We need to be conscious of who we are and what Christ has done for us and to see by faith the invisible realities of what Christ has done for us. May we have eyes to see just that to the glory of God in our lives. Two last things to leave with you. Purpose in your life to seek the things of God. We just purpose for that in your life to seek the things of God, to pursue those things with your life. We're going to be entering into these next verses, verse 5 and following, things that we're to put to death, and it's going to be just example after example given of here's how we do this. Here's how we set our minds on God and follow after Him. We put to death all of these things in our life. Let us be settled to pursue that pursue in your life to seek the things that are above and uh, second to purpose in your life to think on things of God think on things of God purpose in your life to do that whatever that might look for you get creative for that of purpose to think on God whether that's writing a truth of God's word and putting it smack dab on the mirror when you wake up in the morning and that you come in and you see a truth statement of God's word that you need to be reminded of whether that's music that you can listen to that just reminds you to help give you that perspective whatever that might be to shoot a friend a text of here's a truth of who we are in Christ just for us to help be conscious of who we are to use the means God has given us to do that. Let us purpose to do that in our lives because it will change us and have an effect upon how we live to the glory of God. And I look forward to that day that is to come when we won't have any trouble having to pursue these things because we will be living in that reality right before our very eyes with Christ and with one another. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the promises and the truths of your word. Father, we pray that you would give us eyes of faith, that you would help us to see 
who we are in Christ and to set our gaze upon you. Father, I pray if there's someone here that is not trusting in Christ and only in him and what he's done for them, that he has lived a perfect life that we could not live, that he died a substitutionary death on the cross in our place, that he was raised victorious from the grave. Father, we pray that you would make them alive with Christ through your Holy Spirit, that they would call out to you in faith, trusting in Jesus Christ to save them, believing in your promises. Father, would you help bring these things about for our good and for your glory in this world. In the name of Christ we pray, amen.